The KXAN News Podcast is sponsored by Shelf Genie. Conflict at the Capitol over a bill restricting medical treatment for transgender children. How hours of public testimony sent powerful messages to lawmakers. The state offers a new chance for people to apply for rent relief, but overwhelming demand forced them to stop just two days later. Those funds dried up. Uh, and rents just kept on rising. So there's really a pinch on renters right now. We look closer at the need here in Texas and what comes next after this batch of aid runs out. Need a new driver's license? Plan to wait. We investigate why some Texans are waiting as long as six months. Produced from the Capitol in Austin and airing statewide, this is the award-winning State of Texas. Hello, and thank you for joining us. I'm Josh Hinkle. A debate over medical treatment for transgender children in Texas led to hours of public testimony Thursday in the Texas Senate chamber. Senate Bill 14 would prohibit treatments like puberty-inhibiting drugs, hormone therapy, and surgical interventions. Capitol reporter Monica Madden looks at how the debate brought out strong emotions inside and outside the chamber. Side by side. LGBTQ advocates stand together to push back against bills they say will harm their community, specifically trans kids. Let parents like me, the experts in our children, yes. do our job. Lindsay has a transgender daughter. She is thriving, joyful, hilarious, and sharp as a tack. Lindsay fears Senate Bill 14 would prevent her daughter from getting necessary health care. She will be impacted. She will be harmed. Her normal childhood will evaporate. The bill would prohibit children from getting procedures or treatments used for gender transitioning, like puberty inhibiting drugs, hormone therapy, and surgical interventions. SB 14 is all about child protection. The bill's author, Senator Donna Campbell, says as a physician, she worries about families and doctors making a life-altering decision for a child too early. Our children need counseling and love not blades and drugs. Like Prisha Mosley, who is now transitioning back to her sex assigned at birth. I was told that changing my gender would cure me. As an impressionable and mentally ill child, I fully believed this. Testimony from both sides that will shape how lawmakers proceed on a sensitive topic. Monica Madden, State of Texas. Lawmakers heard nearly seven hours of testimony, both for and against Senate Bill 14, but some of the most contentious moments came when Dr. John Carlo, representing the Texas Medical Association, testified on the bill, basically not taking a position for or against the legislation. While physicians want to provide medically appropriate care for all patients, we understand that there is an ongoing debate over what is medically appropriate with regard to transgender adolescents. Medical science is continuing to evolve. That position brought questions from senators on both sides of the aisle. Democrat Jose Menendez noted that TMA recently held a different position. A year ago, TMI issued an amicus brief where you recognize, and I quote, gender-affirming care as the accepted medically necessary treatment for adolescents with gender dysphoria in Doe versus Abbott. So I, I would have understood or felt that TMA's position there was still TMA's position today. Republican Donna Campbell, who is an emergency room physician, took issue with Dr. Carlo saying he was speaking on behalf of 57,000 TMA members statewide. Well, I think you can put down 56,999 because I definitely am not on that list and I am a member of TMA. 
The TMA is calling for two changes to the bill. One would make the Texas Medical Board the enforcement body for any alleged violation, providing due process for physicians. They're also asking for a grandfather provision to allow treatment to continue for minors already receiving hormone therapy. After hearing all the testimony, senators left the bill pending in committee. It is on Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick's list of priorities, so it is likely to pass in the Senate. Last week, the Texas Rent Relief Program started taking new applications for the first time in almost two years. It's funded by federal COVID relief money. The plan was to take applications for two weeks, but overwhelming demand forced the program to stop after just two days. Ryan Chandler looks closer at the demand and what happens next. It just would be a blessing, you know, to just, just stay afloat. Vanessa Jenkins is one of the thousands of Texans getting help to keep a roof over their head. That extra you're giving uh, the few people, that could really go far and have a lot of people considering there are a lot of people struggling. But not everyone is getting that help. This week, the state cut off applications for its rent relief program a week and a half sooner than expected. More than 100,000 Texans applied for help in just the first 28 hours, far exceeding the funds available. It's disappointing, but not surprising. There's incredible, extraordinary need for assistance from renters in the state of Texas right now. Ben Martin with the low-income housing organization Texas Housers calls it a crisis. New data from the National Low-Income Housing Coalition shows for every four of the lowest-income Texans, only one affordable housing unit is available. Advocates are pressing for a shift in priorities at the Capitol. The governor, the lieutenant governor, our state leadership have indicated that they want to use this money to provide relief for homeowners and property owners. That's not going to help the 38% of Texas households that are renter households. Texas Housers argues the state should use part of our $33 billion budget surplus to replenish the Texas Rent Relief Fund. Until then, Texas renters We'll take it month by month. I could use a little help too. You know, I'm not too proud to, to say that. With or without the help, I'm just going to go to work every day, be grateful I have a job. I've been without a job, I've been homeless. So I count my blessing. Ryan Chandler, State of Texas. The state's rent relief program has had problems in the past. Our investigators found hundreds of Texans struggled to get payments. The program launched in February of 2021. Soon after the launch, the Texas Department of Housing and Community Affairs cited problems with the software, calling it inadequate and difficult to use. Facing problems and complaints, the agency swapped software a month later. That created a new challenge. Most original applicants resubmitted their applications in the new system, creating duplicate applications. But despite the rough start, federal records show the Texas Rent Relief Program outperformed similar programs in nearly every other state. I know it's a very popular app, but it's also it's deeply disturbing. Calls to ban TikTok reach a new level on Capitol Hill. We talked to a Texas congressman who's leading the push. What he says needs to change to keep the app from being banned. The wait time for a Texas driver's license is not getting any shorter. Well, I tried to make an appointment online, but they were months out, like, I mean, like four or five months out. We investigate the backlog and why some lawmakers are questioning DPS's call for more funding to fix the problems.
Many Texans who need a new driver's license face wait times that can last for months. Texas Department of Public Safety offices in the state moved to an appointment-only system back in 2020 to help with long lines. But in some places, according to the DPS website, the next available appointment is in September. Investigator Kelly Wiley reports it's leaving many Texans in limbo when it comes to finding jobs and getting on the road. It's a hidden problem. Outside most Texas driver license offices, you may not see a physical line, but the wait to get service is still months long. The next available appointment at the Pflugerville Mega Center for a new driver license was September 6th when we checked the state's website. And new mom and new Texan Kelsey Letterman said her California license will expire in a few weeks. Well, I tried to make an appointment online, but they were months out, like, I mean, like four or five months out. They said that you can come the day of and try to get a same day appointment, so that's what I'm gonna try to do today. The problem looks different across Texas. Appointment times Cake and analyzed during the second week of March found in some parts of the state, the wait for an appointment was weeks long. But in other parts, the next available appointments to get a new license at DPS offices are as far out as June, July, and even August. DPS would not agree to a sit-down interview with this driver license director. But in a statement, a DPS official said its goal is to reduce booking times to 60 days or less and its current resources are inadequate to meet its goal. This legislative session, the agency's executive director asked lawmakers for more funding to hire 1,300 driver license workers. The biggest challenge we have right now is the appointment part. We, I think we've taken care of the of the wait time once you're in line, but you've got to get into an office first. We waited for Letterman to see if she had any success getting in that line. So how did that just go? Um, unfortunately, they don't have appointments till September now. So, wow. yeah. What are you thinking? Uh, we'll have to try to see if maybe we can go to another like surrounding county or something and find one a little sooner. Cause I mean, that's, that's a long time to wait to be able to drive your car. <laughs> A little history lesson, back in 2019, DPS asked for funding to help with long lines outside of driver license facilities. And as the DPS chief pointed out, that's not really happening anymore because they moved to an appointment-only model. Many lawmakers, though, took issue with giving DPS more funding to solve this problem. Some brought up potentially moving the responsibility of the driver licenses to a completely different Texas agency. Kelly Wiley, State of Texas. DPS says one thing making the wait list worse is people not showing up for their appointments. DPS tells us the current no-show rate is nearly 30%. Officials ask people who can't make an appointment to cancel or reschedule as soon as they can. If we don't figure it out, then, you know, I feel like our work is almost for nothing. A new battle for families behind the state's new missing persons reporting. What they're doing now after finding out Texas police might not always be complying. It's a backdoor into your phone. I would say it's a spy balloon into your phone. Worries about your personal data on a popular app. How a Texas congressman's bill could clear the way for a nationwide ban on TikTok. This KXAN News Podcast is brought to you by Shelf Genie. I'm Rosie Newberry from KXAN Studio 512. Considering replacing your kitchen cabinets? Struggling to find or reach things? Go to shelfgenie.com slash Austin. Shelf Genie designs custom pull-out shelves for your existing cabinets, adding convenience and value to the most used room in your home. Shelf Genie custom pull-out shelves, everything in reach.
President Biden called on the Chinese company that owns TikTok to sell the social media app or be banned from the United States. It comes amid concerns the Chinese government could use the app to access Americans' personal data. TikTok CEO calls those concerns overblown, touting the company's own plans to address privacy questions. Still, several lawmakers on Capitol Hill are pushing anti-TikTok legislation, including Texas Congressman Michael McCall. Our Ryan Chandler spoke with the congressman about his concerns and efforts to ban the app. Are there any um, assurances or changes that you would like to see within TikTok that may protect their longevity uh, in the United States that would make you feel more comfortable with the app? If it was owned and operated and the algorithms were all in the United States, uh, I'd have a more comfort level. The problem is it's not. I think our concern is has been advocated by some of the top national security experts in this administration, uh, both the director of national intelligence to the CIA director to the FBI director, saying that TikTok poses a national security threat, particularly to our younger generation. Um, it's a backdoor into your phone. I would say it's a spy balloon into your phone where they can capture data, keystrokes, passwords. Uh, they can actually do algorithms to message in certain ways uh, to use it as a propaganda tool. Those social media apps need to be scrutinized by the administration and sanctioned, and we give authority to the president to ban it if he deems it in the national security interest. Um, it, uh, uh, I, I think that's a smart way to do it. The prior administration tried to ban it, but the courts found did not have the legal authority to do so. We give the president the legal authority if he deems it in our national security best interest. And so, you know, it'd be great to see an American version of this come out, that there are some great innovators. I know there are to have a TikTok-like uh, app out there uh, that could be as popular. For my last couple questions, I want to pivot to um, state government. Texas has taken it upon itself to address some of your own concerns about China's influence in our um, property ownership and, and uh, universities. Um, I know I understand you've endorsed Senator Lois Kolkhorst's bill to ban most property ownership for um, many Chinese citizens. Uh, the, the current version of the bill exempts permanent residents and um, American citizens who may have dual citizenship. Um, is that version of the bill that, that you are willing to support now, is that the right answer? Well, and let me just say, I support the concept of what they're trying to do. I, I got briefings on, um, you know, uh, PRC-driven, you know, properties being purchased next to military sites. Uh, that was concerning in, ter in terms of what the intentions were. Uh, obviously, it was to, to monitor or capture, um, you know, intelligence coming out of our military installations. That, that is a, a national security threat to the United States. Um, like anything, when you do this, you know, like, you know, my TikTok bill, you want it to be very targeted um, to be either PRC owned or controlled uh, in the area of military or intelligence or espionage. and, and I think if that's the focus of the uh, bill, I think that's that's a good focus. Uh, I would not want to see it expanded to penalize legitimate uh, uh, people fleeing from China or, say, Iran from 1979 revolution or fleeing the impression from uh, China uh, to be caught in this net, if you will. Well, so let me ask you then, Texas already has a bill uh, on the books now that prevents um, companies owned or controlled 
partly or wholly by the Chinese uh, government or, or companies based in China from connecting into our critical infrastructure like our, our power grid, right? Why do we need to, to go a step farther and, and direct the similar restrictions to uh, individuals? I think because the land is being purchased in some cases uh, by individuals that may be operating on behalf of the, the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party. And, and that's what we were seeing with these uh, properties bought next to military installations. I think, I think the state legislature is trying to address that problem, just trying to make sure that we, uh, again, like with the chips bill, have control over our own supply chain uh, and our own manufacturing here in the United States, not being driven or taken over by PRC-affiliated individuals uh, owned or operated by those individuals. Ryan also asked Congressman McCall about efforts to bring more semiconductor manufacturing to Texas. You can see his full interview online now. Just look for the link in this story in the Texas politics section of our website. They pushed for a law requiring Texas police to share missing persons information with the public. But these families are on a new mission after learning some law enforcement agencies may not always be complying. people that know about this, the more that we spread the message, uh, the more it can be used and hopefully the more cases that can be uh, solved. We recently told you about this state lawmaker and how she's reviewing why Texas police might not always be following a missing persons reporting law she authored last legislative session. The law requires police to enter missing persons cases in a national public database which can help bring answers and closure. Investigator Arzo Dos spoke with the families behind the law who say 100% compliance is needed for this law to truly work. My father is John Joseph Almendares. My dad was held in the county morgue and buried unidentified, where he was held for 12 years as we searched for him. My son, Joseph Fritz, went missing and wasn't notified of the finding of his remains until two years later. HB 1419 has finally passed. When John and Joseph's law went into effect in 2021, Alice Almendares and David Fritz had big hopes. It was named after their loved ones, whose bodies were identified after they discovered the National Missing and Unidentified Person System, NamUs. My dad was listed as an unidentified Hispanic male for so long. To know that people actually know his name now and his name will never be forgotten again means so much to me. I am proud of it. I, I wish that there was a uh more participation in it, but I do realize it takes time. The law requires police across the state to enter cases into NamUs within 60 days of someone filing a missing persons report. And roughly the year after the law went into effect, NamUs says only 450 professional users, which include police, enter Texas cases. But DPS data we obtained during that same time frame shows nearly 6,500 missing persons cases were reported by Texas police to the National Crime Information Center, a tool only for law enforcement and not cleared within 60 days when the law requires Texas police to submit cases to NamUs. That discrepancy may mean thousands of cases might never have been entered into NamUs by Texas police. The agencies with the most cases in that DPS data beyond 60 days, Houston, Dallas, Austin, Fort Worth Police Departments, 
and the Bear County Sheriff's Office. What do you think when you hear the law named after your loved ones uh, not being used like it should? It's disappointing, but I, I do see a little progress. I think it's just gonna take a little more time and awareness for, for law enforcement to, to really utilize it. Once the, these law enforcement can see how it's helping and maybe spread the word, not hear it from us, but hear it from each other, like how many cases they've been able to solve by entering these people into NEMAs, I think that's gonna help tremendously. And this law is just a start. Almendaris and Fritz know NEMAs made a difference in their cases. If we don't figure it out, then, you know, I feel like our work is almost for nothing because if it's not being used everywhere or all over Texas and honestly in every state, then it's not doing what we push for. They're now doing what they can to raise awareness by empowering families to enter their own cases instead of waiting for police. Just the unknown torment, just having to go through that is really unexplainable. And if there's a, a more efficient and effective way, you know, why not use it? Arzo Dost for State of Texas. As Representative Hole continues to review our findings, she says it is apparent that there are still gaps in reporting, but she believes that John and Joseph's law is making an impact as we see increased usage of NamUs in Texas. Right now, there is no penalty for not following the law. We've reached out to the agencies with the most cases in that DPS data beyond the 60-day time frame. We have included more detailed responses from the agencies in our reporting in this story online. Just look for the link in in the Texas politics section of our website. Thank you again for joining us for State of Texas. I'm Josh Hinkle. We'll be back next week to bring you an in-depth look at Texas politics.